You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. The media in this country, we as Indigenous people know, have censored our right of telling the truth, and the truth is what this country is most fearful of, in particular Indigenous truths. Until history is told by the vanquished lens, which is our people telling our story our way, and have the right to be able to incorporate that into a system of learning, well, people are always going to be denied that truth by deceit and lies. When you look at the type of psychological warfare and spiritual warfare that Aboriginal people are caught in, it's not just in the sense of military when they talk about weapons of mass destruction, but you're right, it's in terms of the media and the industry of media as a warfare against our people, and so is religion, I believe, in the Western sense. They're they're all weapons of mass destruction against our, our people. We need to keep radical voices on air. Subscribe now. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 9419 8377. And that's the rhythm I can dance to I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to That one big heart that's beating fast Tomorrow morning let it rain Tomorrow morning let it pour Tonight we're in the groove together Ain't gonna worry about Stormy weather Gonna kick all trouble out the door. Beat out all trouble and drum. Beat out all trouble and drum. Beat out all trouble and drum. And kick all trouble out the door. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. And kick all trouble out the door. Kick him out the door. Kick him out the Welcome to Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscano. Today we're going to stray from the script we normally have when we uh, have a chat to somebody because uh, we have spoken to our guest before, Mr Raymond Bennett. I spoke to him about three years ago on Radical Australia, but unfortunately, Ray has my private phone number and he keeps ringing me about things. And because he's a bit of an icon out there and because he's raising some exceptionally important consumer issues with us and because many of our listeners are elderly, because Community Radio 3CR is now 44 years old, I thought I'd uh, have another chat to Ray because uh, people like you and me, whether we're young or old, we can be exploited very easily in this day and age. Hello, Raymond. Hi, Joe. How are you? How'd you like that introduction? Oh, very, very good. Very, very good. That's good. Yeah, look, yeah. I thought the music was appropriate too because 
Um, she was talking about stormy weather and, you know, ignore the weather, but unfortunately you can't, can you? No. No. Now, Ray, just ask you a few questions just to orientate listeners and then we'll get into the uh, gist of the program. Uh, what year were you born? I was born in 1946. So that makes you a septuagenarian, is that correct? It does, yeah. I assume you're, la- you're lying around in your lounge room um, betting on the races and uh, swearing <laughs> at the TV. That's what you do for your life these days, is it, Ray? No, not exactly. What do you no, mean? Just, You've I'm broken the mould. I'm just sitting out in the backyard. <laughs> uh, well, it's like all the junk. That's the junk. Why have yeah. you got junk there? Oh, I often, you know, hard rubbish days, people throw out really good stuff and I'd all bring it home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Always to be used again. Uh, you're a bit of a white knight, I understand, in the suburbs and the uh, regional areas of Victoria. Did you, how did you... <laughs> Some uh, call me a white they don't call me Don Quixote, which I don't know if that's, no, if that's no. a compliment. No, Don Quixote isn't a, a compliment. A white knight is, you know. <laughs> You've broken through your class origins there and you're helping the universe. So how are you helping people these days? I suppose the, the, the situation now is that with the you know intense periods of lockdown, which lasted you know getting on for six months, that a lot of people have been in the situation where their houses have deteriorated, where things have broken down, and very few of them have the resources to replace them. And often they need simple repairs. It's no major job in most cases. But what's happened with a few friends of mine... Oh, hang on, hang on, had... hang on. I just want to, uh, before we go into that, I just want to ask you a few questions, because you were doing this before COVID-19, because I remember... I was, yeah. I remember yeah, yeah. you used to do odd jobs for people, you know, major repairs and minor repairs, and uh, some of the money you'd... You charge peppercorn rates and, no, and nothing yeah. in many cases, but a lot of that money went to the West Papua and Rent Collective. I remember that quite yep. clearly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're pretty skilled, eh? Well, I've learned a lot of the skills. I'm, I'm not <coughs> an official tradesman, but I can, I can do most things. I can right. fix most things. Right. And I can, you know, I'm a pretty good plumber and electrician. I've learned all of that as a kid, basically. Yeah. How did you learn that as a kid? I suppose in my situation, you know, my father left in 1955 and my brother, myself, my mother were in pretty bad circumstances. I mean, we were lucky in the respect that we did own a house, mm-hmm. but it needed constant repairs and my mother seemed to have been a magnet for dodgy people who used to come around, do dodgy work and rip her off. This happened continually until I, you know, at the age of eight, decided that I could do all these things. At eight. I fix things. At eight years old. And I, I think I'm a megalomaniac. <laughs> I think I've met my I, match. Well, I watched how, how they worked. Mm. I, I saw what they did. And it, 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 it didn't really... I didn't think they were particularly skillful or clever. And I thought, mm. well, I can do that. Mm. And I did. Mm. So what's the difference between doing this type of kind of voluntary work, necessary voluntary work for people before COVID-19 and COVID-19. You think there's a difference, do you? Mm. Look, there has been a major problem is that people couldn't have um, tradespeople come to their house. They um, couldn't just go down to Bunnings and get a washer if they needed it. But you could go to Bunnings, you could go to, you know, uh, to um, Dan Murphy's and get a... a, a you know, a, a shopping 
cart full of whiskey or gin, but you couldn't get a bloody wash to fix the tap, which made me really angry. Mm. But the situation was that, you know, they were just in desperate straits. A lot of them aren't in, in any way capable of fixing any of their appliances or broken roofs or leaking taps or broken down hot water surfaces, all those things that I can do. And I did it during the, the lockdown. I still went and helped people. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Excuse me. Did you break the five kilometre limit? I did on many occasions, yes. Many, many occasions. uh, I had quite a lot of problems with PSOs and others. What do you mean problems? I thought they'd give you a medal for helping the elderly. No, no. The situation was that I was told that I was... that I basically was five k's from where I lived and I shouldn't be. Then I should basically get back on the train and go effing back where I'm from. I told them the situation that I'm making a welfare check on friends that were vulnerable, mm. and I continued on my way. Um, mm. And then I was told each time that I'd be fined $1,600, uh, or my name, my name, all the identification was taken, and I'm still waiting for the summons in the mail. No, I don't think, no, I think I'll leave you alone. Four, four, four and a half thousand dollars of fines, supposedly, I'm getting. Right, uh, that, that's, for, that's for helping people. Now, I understand that uh, even at one stage, even the Victoria Police was on your side, which is unusual. <laughs> what happened I mean, there? That was, that was extraordinary. I went to visit a friend in Caulfield who's a fairly notorious, eccentric <laughs> woman who basically doesn't let goys in a house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, <coughs> I'm not 100% goy. So anyway... When I got to Caulfield Station, the PSOs stopped me, the same thing. They were more polite than what they were, say, in Albion or Broadmeadows or um, Sydenham. But um, I explained to them where I was going and who I was going to, and um, they just said, I'll find you on a lift. They took me there, which I thought was extraordinary. <laughs> they sort of said, oh, look after yourself when you're in there. I said, look, I'm fine, you know, <laughs> because I sort of thought... But look, no, it was it was all it was all fine. You know, it was a major job. I mean, the house was flooded, but still, right, right. <laughs> yeah. I saved the day. Right. Well, we should call you something, Captain Something. You know, superhero. Mm. Maybe Captain. No, not Captain Tidy. What do you reckon? <laughs> Captain Clean. Captain no. Matchbox, maybe. Captain. No, 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 no. They were a good <laughs> band. Remember, remember the uh, Wangaratta Wahinis? Oh, I love that. Yeah, I always loved that. Yeah, that was yeah, a great yeah. song, the Wangaratta Wahinis. Yeah, I sing it all the time. Yeah, Kelly. The, the, pres- the only thing I really think about Wangaratta, I've been there a couple of times, I just think of that song. You know? yeah, not the Wahinis, <laughs> just the song. Just the song, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's okay. All right, you're an old bloke, I understand. Now... So what, what's, hap- what's been happening to your friends during this COVID-19 period, well, or the people you've been helping? What, oh, look, I'll just give you one example of a friend of mine. <clears throat> Him and his partner, artists. so their house is full of artwork, which they cherish greatly. The house is an old house, and it's in fairly bad condition. Well, when we had that major rain <clears throat> some time ago, the water all came in along the back of the house, and they panicked, so they called a plumber. Now, the plumber came along and had a look around and he basically said, oh, well, you know, you're in trouble. You need a whole new roof. Mm-hmm. It's going to cost you, you know, 20000 Now, they don't have that sort of money. In fact, they own their own house, but they don't have any money. Yeah. So he sort of said, well, have you heard of Home Wealth Release? Home Wealth Release. They had it. 
he said, look, it's a wonderful idea. What you do, you can borrow as much money as you like against the value of your house and then pay it off later. Pay it off later. So they were really came close to signing this particular person up to do the job. Now, their daughter was pretty upset. She contacted me. Now, she said, you know, mum and dad don't like to worry you because, you you know, you come out all the way. And it's, look, I said, it's not a problem. I'll come and have a look. So I went there, climbed up on the roof. And as I expected with a lot of this old house, you have a main roof and you have a skilly in there. What happens is when it rains, the rain comes down and it backs up and goes over the skillion into the house. Mm-hmm. That is really common. And how it's fixed is simply, you know, you just put sheets of corrugated iron under the roof and fasten them along the area where it's leaking. Now, I did that. So I think the whole job cost them. I don't, they haven't given me any money yet. But yeah. in materials, I, I spent about 185 bucks in right. materials. So I've fixed their price for $185. And let's, they, let's, say, let's say you were paid $150 an hour for your labour and a $100 <laughs> call-out fee. It would have come, what, to less than $1,000, would it? Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. for, even, even if you're charging commercial rates, materials, yeah, yeah. call-out fee, uh, how, how many hours did it take you? Well, it took me a couple of hours, basically. Right, let's, three let's, hours. Let's, let's, say, let's say it comes to about $700. It's a big difference between $720,000, is not it? So, so, so what do you think is going on? Well, I, what I think the situation is that I think a lot of these tradesmen, I doubt really if they are tradesmen because the companies that they they get, they, they get them from the internet or they get them online. They're not when you look up the phone book or like in the old days or go down to your local plumber as people used to do. They get them online. And I doubt if a lot of them are real trades, but I think what the situation is that you go to a, a place, you sum up how vulnerable the occupants are and what situation of fear they're in, then you give them an inflated price. Now, looking at this house, if it needed a complete new roof, it's a simple house, it's, it's corrugated iron, I would say maybe 10000 certainly not twenty. No mm. way in the world, 20000 mm. you know. Mm. But did you think house. it needed a whole new roof? No. No, we okay. near. No, right. no, but they tell okay. them that. And, of course, they know that people... People have got a great fear of having um, mm. water come in the house and having their, their treasured items. Mm. I mean, these people are artists. You know what artists is like, Joe? Still you know what artists are Do like? I ever. They, Do I ever. Yeah. they I ever. put their artwork before anything. Yeah, so including the their partner and children. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Yeah. They're yeah. like that. So, yeah, losing yeah. their art to them is the most important thing. And have, living in a house where they've been told the roof is going to collapse any minute, literally mm. collapse, mm. puts them in great fear. So therefore, they're vulnerable. Mm. And the situation, I think, with these people is that they install fear into these people. Then they mm. get them to basically get involved with the home wealth release, which means basically borrowing that amount of money to fix their roof. Now, in the case, had I not turned up, they would have borrowed the 20000 gone into home release. The job, if it was ever went... And look, I think in some cases these people don't even do jobs. I think the whole idea is they basically don't turn up after... Had they signed up, maybe they wouldn't have even turned up or maybe someone would have turned up and just done a a, a very, very 
Yeah, yeah. Look, it's you know, a business model, right? Look, I it think, is a business can model. I, can yeah, I, yeah, can yeah. I bring you back into the 21st century, mate? You know, white knights like you riding on your horses, fixing roofs around the place, that's just not on anymore. The new business model, it's very simple, and the internet is wonderful. What you do is you set up a company, right? You employ people in that company, and you employ them on the basis of giving them a reward... The greater the reward, the greater expense for the customer, okay? It's a business model. As you said, most of them may not even be tradespeople. So you're not actually dealing with an independent contractor. You're not dealing with somebody who's working for themselves, but you're dealing with a large company. And the giveaway is when you go on the net, and you'll see it everywhere, whether it's carpet cleaning, antennas, roofs, plumbing, you know, if, there is no address. There's an email. Yeah. There's a yeah, telephone number, if you're lucky, yep. but there is no address, and they get you to fill out these forms on the net, get all your personal information before they'll even interact with you. And it's a business model, and I've seen it myself over and over again, because, as you know, in business, right, you need a market, right? And some smart people have realised there is a market of elderly people out there who own their own homes, which are falling you know, around them, and they're pensioners because they're, they're there before the superannuation age, they're pensioners, and they're vulnerable. And as you said, you scare them, and they sign up to these deals. It's, it's, a, it's a model. It's a model. Yeah, of course, they do. They, when they advertise these particular mobs on the radio, they do say that most postcodes are accepted. So there are... Areas they probably aren't interested in where they think obviously the value of the house is not enough. So they do say it's postcode Pacific. So I mean, if you say you live in you know, South Yarra or Caulfield, I'd be around. If you say you live in the western suburbs somewhere in the country, <coughs> they're interested. But it has changed. As I think I just told you, Joe, I yeah. went to help, help a friend in Tallarook. Now, that house where he lives wasn't worth much a few years ago, but property prices have gone up 25% in Tallarook, mm. which makes him now, you know, a fairly um, uh, nice place to, to live. And uh, so, yeah, he's been targeted as well. Yeah, it's, 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 it's so, widespread, yeah. and I think people need to understand this is a business model, and it's based on anonymity as far as... A lot of these companies aren't even registered. You know that? No, I didn't know. They're not, they're not even registered as companies. I mean, everybody talks about the Irish people who turn up and, you know, fix your house and charge you 20 grand and push you around, but they're not the ones you've got to worry about. You've got to worry about these so-called legitimate companies which are, which are using this business model where they screw as much money out of the elderly through generating fear, as you said. Yeah, the, the bloke yeah. said, your, house, your roof is going to collapse, you know? That's right, yeah. Did he yeah. actually climb on the roof to have a look? Supposedly he did. Um, Supposedly. They didn't hear because they said he, he had a ladder with him. Did he? Right. But um, he, he wasn't up there very long. And no. um, as they described, he sort of, yeah. he was yeah. a fairly, um, yeah. you know, neat-looking guy. So I, I don't really know. I mean... They um, yeah. they had some number which he'd left them that I rung a few times. I couldn't get through to the, no. the whole thing was very very dodgy. Well, it is dodgy, and it is a business model, and it's a legitimate legal business model. And the problem is, all these agencies which are theoretically out there to protect the consumer, protect the elderly, are underfinanced, as we saw of ASIC, 
and the banks, they're underfinanced. They don't have the staff or the resources to look into complaints and they get away with murder. You know, yeah. They yeah. get away with murder. And as I said, look, you do a $20,000 job for 700 bucks. that's pretty good, and especially if you subcontract it to somebody else who comes and, you know, puts up that corrugated iron, charges you 500 bucks, the company 500 bucks. Mm. you're doing really well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that only the most likely they don't even have people doing the work. They actually subcontract it out to other people who are not qualified. Exactly. With the other extreme, where crooks do go around streets looking for signs of elderly people, like handles on the front and invalid devices, you know, that people yeah. have on their steps, and that they will go in and they will. And I know people have been targeted by these people. I myself had a person come to my house here and advised me that I had a rusty roof and that he would fix it. And I looked at him, and he was about five foot tall and five foot wide. And I thought, well, <laughs> shit, I don't think you're going to be getting on any roof. And he was quite, you know, he was, I really had to show him out the gate, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, but they want problem. cash. They want cash. They want cash. They, they don't want, want credit cash, cards. They just want no, cash. No, no, but this is, no. this is sophisticated. This is, oh, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is a different I, model, but it's totally yeah, I, sophisticated. I, I, I I think my friends would be wary of somebody like that. I mean, but they're not wary of the sophisticated model. I mean, the blatant model is quite obvious. The Mm. sophisticated model is very Mm. subtle, very effective. Well, it is very effective. And as I said, see, what people don't understand is when you take out these loans, you need, they think, oh, well, when I die, you know, the kids will get less. But it's not just that. What happens is if you're on a pension, you've got to pay some of that loan off every month which means you've got less disposable income to look after your basic needs when you go into these areas. It's quite extraordinary. Now, what I find also extraordinary, Ray, maybe you can help me here, is I remember the days when if you were on a pension and you were elderly, you could call up your local council, and this is before they were amalgamated before Kennett, and the local council would send out a handy person to do the work at cost price. Do you remember those That's days? Right. Yeah, I remember those days, yeah, yep. Yeah. Mm. Does that still My exist? My mother was a recipient of that in the old days. Your mother? Yeah, later on, that situation, uh, the Eston City Council at that time did have tradesmen who would come out and do work. Good work, very, very cheaply. And they tended to be older men who had retired, but they were still interested in doing a bit of work, and so therefore the council uh, supplied work, and um, it was... Good, honest work, and it was it was quite cheap. Mm. Not every they they did mainly things like you know electrical work that's that's replacing switches, uh, minor plumbing, and um, you know general house maintenance. Mm. But it was very effective, and it and it went as I say. I think it did peter out about Jeff's time. Right, Cause it, <laughs> because it's interesting that uh, councils charge extraordinary amounts of rates. It would be unusual to pay less than $2,000 in rates, even on a uh, small property in Melbourne these days. And you would think that having a handy person um, section to assist people on limited incomes would be an essential service for an, a local government. Of- yeah, but this this is different. This is different. These are legitimate organisations which provide a service for money, you know, for, for, for profit. That's that's their business model. But this is something different. It's between, you know, the person who knocks on your door and asks you for 10 grand cash to fix your falling roof 
and the person who comes up and says you need a full, you know, your, your roof needs to replace and it does need to replace and they charge you twenty grand. And this other yeah, new, look. this other new business model, which has crept in with the rise and rise of the uh, internet, the different platforms, this other new model, which I'm really, really interested, that is not regulated in any way, although it's supposedly regulated, where the model is, as you said, you send out somebody, you create fear in the potential customers. It's usually somebody who's elderly, right, or disabled. You create fear and then because you know that they've got equity in their home or they own their own home because they're elderly and they weren't part of that speculative marketplace, you know, 20 or 30 years ago when they were paying off their house, that you can actually target them because they've got a, a really, really lucrative resource, which is their home, anywhere between yeah. one to two million, even three oh, million. Yeah, I suburbs. suppose, look, what the situation is, is that for many years, people who had little assets had a home and... In many cases, they passed that home on to their children who dearly needed it. I mean, dearly needed to have a home or to have a house that they could live in or they could sell and distribute the money. Now, what this does is it takes that away. It simply means that the working class people or poor people have lost that... Uh, that uh, what was a tradition is to inherit a house mm. to give them, again, you know, some some stability, and, and, and that's sort of disappearing. So that whole, it, it just pushes that intergenerational poverty. If the assets that you've accumulated can't be passed on to your children, it's a fundamental change in society and something that I've noticed because I know many friends who have inherited their parents' property or relatives' property, and that's changed their life. It's given them the opportunity to educate their children to look after their needs and it's been you know it's been basically manner from heaven to use that old expression well, it's quasi and I, I, I would hate mm. to see that to see that you know disappear because well, I think it has sorry Ray <laughs> oh, look have you ever heard of the nursing and the aged care industry yes yes I have yes. you know some yes. contracts you sign and we'll just move into <laughs> that area because I think you've raised an important issue about elderly people who've got limited income who all they've got is their home and that's what they want to pass on to their children as an asset to help them when they die but we've got a whole new industry of the privatisation of the aged care sector by Howard about 20 years ago what we've got is a whole new industry where their business model is to extract every cent from the person in that aged care facility and to eat up that asset so at the end of their life there's little, if anything, left for the uh, children or any dependents. That's that's a new business model too in that area. You know, some contracts, and I've seen them, are over 300 pages. Could you imagine that? A 300-page to enter an aged care facility. And, and like, you've got to pay $2.50 extra if they help you brush your teeth. It's down to that level in the contract. It's just, just extraordinary. So I said... It's a new business model. The new business model based on this concept, there is a new market out there, and that's the elderly. Not the rich elderly who've got, you know, lawyers and accountants to, you know, protect themselves and exploit the system for their own benefit, but a new business model based on the idea of you've got elderly people in expensive real estate and that we can actually make money by generating fear or providing so-called services people don't need. 
it, it, it's extraordinarily evil as far as I'm concerned. Yes, yes, that was my main concern because in the situations I know that these people do have children who basically need money and are in a desperate situation themselves. And I would just hate to see that become the norm where, where people can't leave you know, their hard work and their assets behind to help their kids. I mean, that to me is just frightening. Yeah, well, and it's something that, yeah. that is a new phenomenon because, it's, it's, I mean, we generally have that attitude in Australia or in many countries that people can pass on a benefit to their children. And, I mean, if that's going to stop, that's going to increase the amount of poverty and the amount of anxiety in society, it's just it's just evil. You're right, Joe, it's totally evil. The, the concept is totally evil. Yeah, and whether it's uh, in a large corporation in the aged care sector, which is exploiting the situation, seeing that these people have got an asset which is worth something because of a speculative uh, housing market, or whether it's, you know, people trying to make a little bit extra by, um, you know, exaggerating repairs needed on uh, homes that are, you know, falling into a little bit of disrepair. It's the same model. It's, it's so, so what do you think? What do you think? I mean, it's all very easy for us to complain and obviously you and I, Ray, we're champion complainers, that's you know, that's that's life. But what do you think could be done to assist people that this situation doesn't occur? I mean you could you got any ideas? Well, you know, programs like this on three C R is good, but not everybody listens to three C R but I just think we need to tell vulnerable people what the situation is when it comes to getting house repairs. And I think probably what they should always do is that if somebody does come and give an outrageous quote for work, that you always get three quotes anyway. So that's the old law, that there's a situation, if somebody does come and give you a huge quote... People don't do quotes anymore, uh, Ray, sorry. No, no, they're not doing quotes. No, some will. Look, but again, Joe, it's not going on the internet, it's going to your local people. And, I mean, that is disappearing. I can remember here, where I live in Kensington, there used to be three plumbers just, mm. you know, we, up the street. Uh, and they had, had signs outside their houses, and they lived in the area. That's all gone. That's all gone. So the situation is that when people do get quotes, whether it's for plumbing or electrical work, I think it's important that they make sure the person who gives the quote is qualified, which means they have a qualification, and to get more than one quote. Mm. Definitely. I mean, you've got to work at it, but get more than one quote. Because I'm sure that there are still a lot of people around. I've, I've Look, in the last couple of years, because a lot of the work people want me to do is just too much for me, there's a couple of young guys I know who are honest they're not tradies, they are what they call their... their um, handymen or handymen. Handymen, which, but, but that's, that's a trade now, being handymen. And they, they don't go online, so they're not on this... Um, there's a lot there, there's a system online there where you can get somebody to do work around the house. Now, all of that is extraordinarily shonky. These people, it's word of mouth. So they are able to go and do quite extensive work for an honest fee. So the situation is that the most important thing that people can do, if you've got the situation where suddenly your roof is leaking or your power has gone out or you've had a fuse in the roof, is to get a qualified tradesperson to look at it and then to get a couple of quotes. Mm. 
you've, I think the most important thing to do is you've, you've got to get the person to come in your house. You've got to be able to connect with them and to talk to them. Forget about going online. That, to me, look, it's complicated and it's, it's frankly dangerous because you really don't know who you're talking to. You don't know the, um, the business model of that organisation where if you contact a tradesman, and look, most tradesmen, I say, at least, at least mainly half, are basically honest. So that, that's the main thing. And then if older people can have a situation where they can pass that good information on to each other. Now, in my case, there's, I get sometimes three or four phone calls a week to help somebody. And look, in most cases I can, but in a lot of cases I can't. And I mean, there are people who probably expect me to come out and do a major job and charge them nothing. Well, I can't do that. Mm. So the situation is that I can just advise them in some cases that they should basically get a tradesman, get it through the local phone book, get it through word of mouth, but, you know, stay away from the, the setups that that come online. Yeah, but see, Mike, look, I, I mean, you're thinking of it locally, what people can do personally. I, I'm, I'm thinking a little bit wider than that. Like, what I'd like to see, and I think it could be done through local councils, is a mechanism via which local councils could have a list of tradespeople on their books who are considered to be honest, which they That's, could yeah, they could yeah. hand... And this is not difficult. You know, I know everybody's worried about being sued these days, but this is not difficult. And hand out this hand out this uh, information with every rate notice. These are what we consider to be, you know. And then if there is a problem, then you can go to the local council to deal with it. I mean, I know it's an extension. The other thing is maybe the local council having a loan system which is based on the house, right, where if you've got to do major repairs, you do it through the local councils. They provide the loan through some type of banking mechanisms, and you can pay them back. Because the problem is, I mean, a lot of places do need repairs. I know my place needs repairs, and I'm always putting that off, and I'm, I'm sure your place needs repairs. And most people listening to this program, their place needs repairs. But they're concerned about going to the private sector, and maybe if the local council had a division where they either recommended particular tradespeople because they'd been uh, looked at and passed some type of test, or whether they um, provided it, we went back to the old days and they actually provided it themselves as part of the, yeah. your rates, you know, part of the, your rates, you could you could avail yourself of this. Yeah, yeah, that that system did, uh, when I was in England last, that system was, was, was quite common that councils mm. in London particularly had a, um, a system where you could have work done on your house mm. and the, um, the council made out uh, a loan almost zero interest mm -hmm. to help people, uh, vulnerable people mainly, people who were pensioners to get work done. That was quite quite common. In, that's quite common in Britain. And they basically loan out the money and they have a, 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 they recommend the tradespeople to do the work. And I think that happened here to an extent too. I think that was, there were some councils I think that had that system here but quite a while ago. Yeah, I think I think another way out of this because, as you said, most of the see when you go on the net and you're looking for something, you get the same faces appearing because they kind of manipulate the system so 
their ads come up first because of the number of advertisements they do on the net, so therefore they get privilege, right? So you don't actually see the small trades people. I think another thing that we should be seeing, and I think this is very simple to legislation, is that any company or person that is wants to provide a service provides a name and an address. Because if you yeah. want to register a company, if you haven't got an office, you've got to give them your uh, home address. And uh, when you're not anonymous, it's much more difficult to rip, rip off people because... Uh, there is a target they can get to because a lot of these places, as I said before, you look at it and there's there's a phone number and a form to fill out and that's about it. You know, an email address and there's nothing else. You know, and they claim they they go they go to Kyabram, Leangaffa, Wangaratta, Broadmeadows, Turak, but the reality is that it's um, it's the same people. You know, it's extraordinary. Like yeah. I I had some repairs done from the net, being an idiot, and <laughs> but it's all right. And the people travel 200 kilometres to do the repairs from Melbourne. Luckily, you know, I'm not stupid and I got a reasonable price, but that's what they were doing. They said that was their business model. They were based in Melbourne, but they used to go out all over regional Victoria to do work. Extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. If, I reckon if you've got yeah. an address up there and it's part of the com- yeah. company policy, uh, people would be less likely to rip people off or have a business model which is based on ripping people off. And the other thing is we need legislation which you can access relatively quickly where you can actually close down these companies very, very quickly, which we don't have at the minute. They still have... That, that, that's, that's essential. And as I was saying, with a lot of the elderly people, because they're not tech-savvy, sometimes they can be quite vulnerable. Um, so they really don't know what their rights are. So the whole concept, as I say, years ago, you always get three quotes and generally you took the, the middle one because obviously the cheapest quote was not going to work. And, were, they, and look, a lot will... If you get a, 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 a really outlandish quote, it's often they don't want to do the work. And that, that happens quite a bit. But um, the situation still is that, that people, especially elderly, elderly people, are vulnerable. And as you say, Joe, a lot of these people do own their own houses. So they're a valuable resource as far as these people are concerned. It's a market. You know know, know how you thrive in capitalism? You create a new market. For example, I love this one. You know that most people used to cook in the old days? You'd go out, buy your food and you'd cook it. Yeah, yeah. Now now they bring it to you in boxes, you know. It's a marketplace because everybody's busy. They don't actually have time to cook, so you buy this shit off them and... You pay for the privilege, or, or, or you, um, you know, you become a high-powered executive, and you got like the good old days, and you know, the, your old dart, old England. You know, you've got the the butler, the cleaner comes in, but they're all subcontractors. They don't actually there. You can't do your own cleaning or your own cooking, and because you're time poor, it's just perfect. That's right. Yet, 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 people will buy trophy kitchens, extraordinarily expensive equipment. With, with kitchen equipment that's never used, which seems strange to me that mm. a lot of places are marketed on having, you know, really, really top-notch kitchens with amazing appliances, yet they get their food delivered. Yeah, but you've got to create a market. I mean, capitalism... <laughs> and, and the thing is, if you can create a new market and you can hold that market for a year or two, you can make a real killing. And this, this, And then all of a sudden you see a new market created and then you see all these other companies jump on board trying to uh, 
expand that market like you know the fast food shores you go in there for your breakfast you don't actually put your butter on toast and, and cook your egg because you're too busy you just you go into all these places for breakfast then you get large corporations i won't mention them come in and they offer all these you know so-called deals for breakfast and lunch and so what you're doing is you're um, privatizing food production of all things you know uh, uh, cooking you're privatizing cooking you're outsourcing it and then it gets worse then you've got the uber kings you know the people who provide the delivery service you know so-called subcontractors and, and then they deliver this stuff to you there's another market that's been created yes, yes. The net. well boys I, I suppose what i'm hoping is that just word of mouth and, and, and people knowing what's happening will help people i mean mm. i think if more people are aware and and and, and you, you think well how do you basically get across to elderly people who really don't go out a lot but, and, and have limited friendships, how can you get this information to them? Because I feel that once they know what the situation is, that then they do have some defence. But it's a situation where people who don't know this mm. change that's happening mm. in society and are most vulnerable. So what we've got to do, we could do this through 3CR, because a lot of people listen to 3CR. We can do this from through community newspapers to let people know what the situation is, that they don't have to be in absolute panic when these things arise and that there is a logical and far cheaper remedy than putting yourself in debt mm-hmm. and potentially losing the value of your house. What do you, I know you mentioned community newspapers. What do you think of people, um, if, if a net doesn't provide an address, what do you think about people using the advertisement section of their local newspaper? Because half of a lot of local newspapers are made up of advertisement of local tradespeople. Do you think, that, you think that's yes. a safer way to do things? Well, look, in my case, we have a local newspaper in, in Flemington, Kensington, which mm. is a community newspaper, and I have noticed that there are tradespeople advertising that particular paper, and they have... Uh, uh, home address or they have a a, a workshop area so that works really well now the newspaper i'm talking about is paper that's put together by local people and is distributed in flemington kensington north melbourne and i'm going to get in touch with them and just tell them of this situation see if i can get an article in the paper Mm. it's delivered free to all people to all houses in this area there's another one actually in north melbourne and there's one in docklands which are community papers Community papers have largely disappeared. We had quite good community papers under the leader and under different years and years ago. They're all gone. So it's important that you get to people's letterboxes. I mean, I could, you know, print up thousands of leaflets probably and walk all around this suburb letting people know, or knowing the houses where I think vulnerable people may live or areas and letting them know of the situation so they don't find themselves. Because the, the danger is, is that, you know, when it starts to rain, the next thing, water's bucketing in. You, you're not rational. You're immediately fearful of what's going to happen. So that state is what they take. They take advantage of people in that state. And when you're older and you don't have a lot of contacts, you are very vulnerable. But people should know the situations. Wait till the rain's over. Then, then, go through the system of, of getting reliable information without panicking and immediately calling, you know, the first person online. So 
Let's take us through that, because obviously there's a lot of people listening to the Radical Australia who find themselves in that position because we tend to have a, a more elderly uh, listenership than a lot of community radio stations, especially this program because we don't have any music, obviously. So um, what are the steps you'd recommend that people take? Just take us through them step by step. Well, in the, in the case where they've got major problems with, say, leaking, leaking roofs, the situation is that they don't immediately panic and then go online. I think you wait, basically. You try to limit the amount of damage by putting buckets around the house. Well, so you can always call the SES anyway, state, if, well, it's, if it's something can, crashes through yeah, your roof. Yeah, the, the, the SB, they, they, they become quite critical of people who are calling, you know, mm. using their facilities for what they say is people who didn't bother to maintain their house, and mm. this is what I've heard. But, 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 know, but if you're in a storm in the branch force... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But then they say, you know, people don't get rid of leaf clutter, which people don't. And I say that all the time, you know. Mm. But again, mm. you can't... Older, older people can't climb ladders to clean there, you know. But there yeah, are... Yeah. yeah, yeah. But look, no, the situation is that you always contact what you think is a reliable tradesperson. If you can't find that online, don't worry about online, you, you, you still can find it in the community directory. Then you get three quotes at any job. You make sure the person who comes is qualified. You ask them for their qualifications. They carry those qualifications with them to say they are a registered plumber or a registered electrician. I don't think people are using forged material because that is a crime they're aware of the consequences so but basically you you must get a few quotes for any particular job it's hard to to really define what a job is worth as i say with the case of roofs it's mainly in areas where there's a substantial flow of water and impact on one area so when a roof leaks it's mainly in one place where there's been a breakdown but the impression that you might have is because when water enters a roof, it can enter at many parts of the ceiling. So you do believe, oh, you know, my roof is going to fall in. But I think the thing to do is first take a breath when all this happens and keep calm and basically go through those procedures of calling what appears to be a, a, a licensed trade person and then getting three quotes for any job. So, but if you know, if they can call a, a you know a relative or somebody who's capable of doing that for them, don't be you know afraid of getting asking for help. A lot of people I know won't ask for help, but you've got to ask for help in situations like that. So the situation still is, but don't go online and don't go to anything that's anonymous. Yeah, especially anonymous. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah, that's the that's the major problem. Well, you know, Ray, the difference between me and you, you're practical and you look at the day-to-day nuts and bolts and you provide people with practical assistance. I'm more theoretical. And I'm. you just, um, while I was listening to you, a thought came to my mind. You know, we had council elections about three or four months ago and the next council elections in about three, three and a half years. Yeah. You should be, people should be contacting their local city councillors, right? And they should be asking that uh, if they stand again in three or four years' time, that they have a policy of reintroducing a repair service for ratepayers who are on limited incomes or on some type of concession card, 
which is partly subsidised by the council. And if they don't want to do it, it's the type of thing you could actually call a public meeting about closer to the elections and maybe put up one or two local council candidates because it's not hard to stand for local councils on that particular platform because ultimately what a local council does to a significant degree can be determined by state government but it's also determined by upward pressure from people who just think that the council's rates are just used to remove garbage and keep the streets clean. So I think we should be looking at the local council as a mechanism via which to deal with these issues and maybe even have a, um, you know, expand the role they're doing, not in terms of making decisions which are made by state and federal governments, but providing local services that are, that are real for people. You know, because there's a lot of people on one third of the population is on some type of social security benefit, and one in five people on some type of old age pension. Still, that's twenty percent of the population, and as as we know, most of these people own their own homes and will until they, you know they fall off their perch and they don't want to leave their houses because ninety percent, over ninety percent of people don't end up in an aged care facility. They die in hospital or in their own home. And there's a big push to keep people in their own home, and this would be one way of doing that. that that's what I uh, I thought the situation is. They are, do encourage people to stay in their own mm. houses. And so an important part of that is the maintenance of the houses. You can't expect people to live in a house that's basically falling down. When relatively... Look, most of the jobs that I look at are relatively simple jobs. But again, the situation is that people who who really don't know very much about you know maintenance they appear to be much worse and when somebody comes in and tells you you're oh, look i can remember when i was a kid and i still remember this joel just this is just amazing i remember when i was about eight or nine my mother was under the impression that the floor was falling in so she called some guy who supposedly was a um, pest exterminator so anyway he went underneath the house and he made a few noises. He came back with a matchbox, <laughs> gave it to my mother and said, look inside, look inside. And <laughs> I know where this is going. He said, lady, you're, I remember this, he said, lady, you're in big trouble. He said, your house is being eaten away with termites. And my mother totally panicked and freaked out and she was an excitable woman anyway. <laughs> Later on, she calmed down and my uncle, my good old uncle, came down from the country and got underneath, and he was the country man, and looked around, and he said, there's no problems there at all, Isabel. There is nothing wrong under your house. Oh, but the man showed me these dreadful things, and I thought it was amazing. Can I, can I, bring, just... you, can I bring you forth to the 21st century? I was, uh, when my uh, wife died, I made the decision to uh, sell the home, which was partially owned by us and partially, and partially owned by the banks, and uh, uh, we we kind of came to an agreement before she died that we wouldn't sell the house to developers, right? And it took a while to sell because... But I remember this these developers that came in, they, they kind of tried to get round it by saying, well, no, we're not going to develop the house. We're going to modernise it, maybe split it and all this. And they offered some ridiculously low amount. And I said, oh, yeah, no, fuck off. Well, I told the uh, real estate agent to tell them that, right? And the real estate agent came back all agog uh, a day. They said, do you know they found termites, termites in the foundations? 
And I said they couldn't find termites in the foundations because the foundations are concrete. <laughs> so it hasn't changed. <laughs> so if you're told you've got termites, get a second opinion. You may have, but most likely you haven't. Yeah, it's extraordinary. Now, Ray, you're almost 75, if not 75. You can't do this forever. When are you going to put up your shingle and... And just put up the white knight sign at front and, and wait for your order of Australia, mate. <laughs> look, I'll look, look, I'll, I'll, I'll keep on going as long as I can, Joe. You know, I've got, I've chucked the fags. I'm not drinking anymore. Yep. Only now, only, only now and then. But at the same time, no. I, I look, I'll just go as long as I can. I mean. Because, as I say, I would hate... In the, look, in the case of my friends, you know, that I've fixed their, had their roof fixed, I mean, the situation would be, if they lost their house, their two children are really vulnerable. Yes. They need an inheritance. They need something, mm. basically, to get them through, through their yeah. situation that they are coming into because they're not in good health. So, I, I, you know, I just basically want to... Off. Maybe I am Don Quixote. Maybe I'm, you know, I'm tilting at windmills. But look, I just basically keep going as long as I can. I'm still energetic. I can. I'm an old Percy Serity boy, so I um, always take two steps at a time when I go up staircases right, and all that. So, right. Yeah. Look, I, I'm I'm hanging in for the long run. Right. Well, that's good. Because a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of three CR people, haven't hung in for the long run, unfortunately. But, they haven't. Uh, no, no. Yeah. No, look, I made a decision no. a few years ago to live to 102. Maybe we could go to each other's 102nd birthday. What do you reckon, Ray? Well, I don't think I want to get that old, but I'd, I'd like to see a few more years as long as my health prevails. Right. You know, and I'm taking steps to yeah. keep that. Well, I think you found. I think you found the uh, solution to old age, and that's to be active, intellectually active. And physically active, that's the key. And um, all I can say, Ray, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Hopefully, uh, I know we've gone a bit off kilter with Radical Australia today, but sometimes you've got to go off kilter. And thank you for alerting me to uh, what's going on there. And as I said, it's a new business model, a new marketplace, and the elderly with homes are the target. Well, thank you very much, Ray. And, uh, yeah, look, but thanks, Joe. And look thanks after yourself and... Uh, my commiserations to your long-suffering family. And all I can say is, Ray, fix up your own bloody house before you start fixing up other people's <laughs> houses. I've had people from your family complain to me about it. All right? Okay, Joe. All the best. Yeah, all right. See you, Joe. Thanks, mate. So it's up to us, the people. We need a treaty in this country. We need the end to the war in this country. And the only way we can do that is through a peace treaty. Not the one you see in Victoria, not the one you see in Queensland, not the one you see in the Northern Territory, because they talk treaty and still lock our people up. They still kill our people. They still desecrate our land and our water. A treaty means peace, a treaty means equality, and a treaty means justice. Thank you. So 
Subscribe to 3CR in 2021. Feed Radical Radio. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.